God's people said, do it, Lord. Thank you, team. Thank you not just for leading us and preparing our hearts for worship, but also for the great care that goes into selecting the hymns and the songs that buttresses the Word of God. Thank you. A young boy was leading his younger sister up a very steep mountain path. Uh, as the climbing difficulties uh, set in and the terrain was steep, uh, there were many rocks and bumps along the way. The little girl reached a state of exasperation and so she yelled at her brother. She said, this is not a good path at all. There are a lot of rocks and bumps along the way. And her brother, a couple of years only older than her, said, sure, there are rocks and bumps along the steep hill, but these rocks are what you step on to climb higher. There can be no doubt that all of us, without exception, if we want to grow deeper in our love for Jesus, we will face rocky roads, and we're going to face bumpy bumps along the way. And the difference between those who keep on climbing and go deeper in the love for Jesus and those who don't and stunt their growth are the ones who allow the rocks to be a stepping stones, not obstacles. How you view this, these obstacles is of vital importance. Whether you see them as stepping stones to climb higher or as difficulties that will stop you from growing in Christ and in His love. Now, I can promise you, as a man who have been seeking to grow in His love for Jesus for 54 years or more, I promise you that we all face barriers. We all meet many distractions. We all encounter temptations. All of these things are really designed in order to stomp our growing, to stomp our growth, and they are designed to divert our attention uh, from loving Jesus with all of our hearts. So the question then is this, how do I overcome these distractions and, and diversions? How, how, do I, how do you use these obstacles as stepping stones rather than hindrances? As I said, we all face them. We, we all know them too well. At least I do, and I'm sure most of you do too. We're all constantly tempted by them. And, and here's the inevitable. We all must respond to them one way or the other. One way or the other. Every one of us are going to respond to these one way or the other. From my experience... I saw many Christian believers who allowed these distractions to stunt their growing love for Jesus. Some might say, well, Michael, how does this happen? Well, 
We all start our walk with Christ when we become born again. The moment we discover this incredible revelation that Jesus loved us and died on the cross for us, and then we experience the forgiveness of sins and the assurance of eternity with Him, when we come to that moment, I think none of us would deny the fact that we have fallen in love with Jesus because we were overwhelmed by His love. But then somewhere along the way, we hit a wall. Whatever wall it may be, and there are many walls, it could be financial wall, or it could be a relationship wall, or it could be illness wall, whatever it may be. And so what do we do? We begin to focus on that wall and get distracted and allow our love for Jesus to cool off. Now, I promise you, if you stay in this condition of getting distracted you will see your love for Jesus stunted. And before you know it, your love for Jesus begins to cool. Other things have taken their place. But the opposite sometimes is true. Sometimes, listen carefully, sometimes prosperity and blessings can work the same way as a wall. And we begin to take our eyes off the blesser, and then we focus on the blessing. And our love for Jesus cools off nonetheless. You see, this is Satan's way of, of distracting us in both the pain and the prosperity, in both the sunshine and the deluge, in both abundance and lack. That's why Proverbs says, neither riches nor poverty. <laughs> These can be obstacles that will cool off our love for Jesus. Beloved, that sometimes happens in marriage. I wish I had time that I can get into this. I might do it throughout in the coming messages. But in all cases, the answer is repentance. In all that the answer is to retrace your steps. The answer is to discover where you have fallen and, and, and get up. The answer is acknowledging of sin, not hiding it or rationalizing it as, as, that causes that distraction. The answer is the renewal of your love for Jesus. That's what the answer is. I don't have to tell you about the myriads of things that conspire to distract us. You know them. I know you do. And they distract us from loving Jesus with all of our hearts. The numerous things that conspire to divert our attention from loving Jesus, and many times these are good things, not bad things. The many things that are competing for our affection as I shared with you in the last message in the beginning of this series, that some of the times and often these are good things, and, and, and as it is in my testimony, it's a ministry that distracted me from my love for Jesus. Many of you know my testimony, and I keep saying it because I see the Apostle Paul throughout the, his life to, always testifying, always testifying. And I, 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 in the early days of this church, I was running haggard from early hours to late night, 
I was serving. I wasn't doing anything wrong, but I was serving God. But then I hit a wall. It was a health wall. I'll never forget Dr. Joe Woods came by to the house. I've been flat on my back, and he said, I need to check you at the hospital. I said, no, because I know deep down, I knew in my heart that the Lord allowed that in order that he may get at my attention before it's too late. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for those two weeks on my back because they were an opportunity for the Lord to bring rebuke and to trans- bring transformation in my life. I don't know where I would have been without that incredible blessing of being on my back for two weeks back in 1990. If I walked down these aisles and would ask you about the distractions that you have experienced in your life that has cooled your love for Jesus, probably you can come up with ten things. But in order to think in terms of three categories, here's the three-point sermon, Richard. (laughs) Sorry, only had two. (laughs) But... I'll put them under three categories, and then there are a lot of subcategories that you can fill in the blanks, okay? And they're going to surprise you. They're not what you think. When I start telling you, you're going to say, what in the world is he talking about? But just be patient with me, okay? Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm going to get your patience. (laughs) Three things. First of all, the inability to accept correction. Secondly, the unwillingness to grow and change. And thirdly, the susceptibility. We're all susceptible to confusing the journey with the destination. Let's look at these very, very quickly, very quickly. If those are taking notes, I'll be re- repeating them, so don't, don't worry. I think they, oh, well, they got them up here, so these, these guys always surprise me. Uh, this is not planned. I had no idea they were doing it. But this is great. He could write him down. <laughs> the inability to accept correction. I can hear someone saying, well, Michael, what is this inability to accept correction got to do with my growing love for Jesus? Great question. <laughs> there are very, 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 very few people who have the unique gift and ability to see themselves as they really are. Very few. Most of us have that uncanny ability to see ourselves as we want to be. Hello. We want to see ourselves as wonderful and lovable and perceptive and clever and knowledgeable, and boy, people just uh, uh, waiting with a bated breath to hear our opinion on everything. (laughs) Read my lips. That's a fantasy. (laughs) Most people imagine themselves as they want to be, not what as they are. Listen to me. I don't think there's a single person here with 
not agree with the fact that arrogance can keep us from growing in our love for Jesus. But the question is, how do I know when I'm arrogant, right? How do I know? <laughs> Most of us don't discern when we are arrogant and prideful and self-sufficient. Ah, that is where a good and godly brother or sister in Christ comes in. And my beloved friends, listen to me. You cannot love Jesus in isolation. You cannot love Jesus in isolation. That's why our small group ministry and home group ministry is a, is a vital ministry in this church. And the Apostle Paul, John makes it very clear in all of his epistles. He said, our love for Jesus is evident in our love for the brothers and sisters. The ability to accept correction from godly friends moves a huge obstacle in our growing for love for Jesus and going deeper in our love for Jesus. But as you know, I'm always try. Here's the secret word, try. <laughs> not, not always successful, but I always try to be realistic. I always try to be realistic. None of us enjoy correction. Hello. Uh, our natural reaction to criticism or correction is very predictable. She never liked me anyway. He just wants to humiliate me. What does, who does he think he is? <laughs> she knows nothing. I'm not going to listen to her. Let me stop here for a reality check. There are some who are professional critics. I'm not going to ask you to say amen. <laughs> there are some who are controlled by a critical spirit. There are some who criticize everything and everyone all the time. You know what I'm talking about, right? There are some who just criticize in order to score off points of us. Now, I want you to hear me right, please. Listen carefully. That's not what I'm talking about. These folks are easily identified and should be either ignored or rebuked. Actually, these folks remind me of an art critic, and he wasn't a very good one. It was getting on in years, and then he went to a studio, and he looked at a frame, and the artist was standing here, there, and he said, he said, uh, looked at that frame very intently, kind of screwing his eyes, and he said, this one is your most stupid, silly, ludicrous, abstract paintings I've ever seen. And the artist said to him, sir, that's a mirror. A friend of mine used to say, don't question your wife's judgment. Look who she married. <laughs> like the young husband who, who had a very critical mother-in-law. I thank God I had wonderful in-laws. <laughs> Godly in-laws went to be with the Lord. But 
But this, this young man had a, a very critical mother-in-law, and one year she sent him two sweaters for Christmas. And as soon as he got a wind of her coming and visiting, he ran and put on one of the sweaters. He's trying to impress her. As soon as she came into the house, she looked at him, what's wrong with you? Don't you like the other one? <laughs> yeah, you'll get that. Unless I'm stepping on some toes. In that case, I pray for the spirit of conviction and repentance. But these are not the kind of godly friends I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. Please, don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about a genuine, real, honest, loving, affirming correction. Why? Because genuine, loving, affirming correction leads to self-examination. And self-examination is going to lead you into growing in your love for Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Correction, and not just blind criticism, must always be exercised in a mutual caring and commitment environment. Correction must always, always, always be exercised in an atmosphere of affirmation. Do you know that when our Lord Jesus Christ hung on that cross, He was affirming us and criticizing us all at the same time? Did you know that? On the cross, He was affirming us by saying, I love you, and I'm paying the price for your sin. On the other hand, He was rebuking us and saying, it's your sin that hung me on that cross. It's your rebellion against the holy God that has put me on that cross. And that's why we have the rebellious anti-God forces who do not want to be rebuked or affirmed, want to remove the crosses from public eye. That's why they want to remove the cross. For those of us who have been redeemed by that cross, for those of us who have been forgiven by that cross, to us that very cross says, yes, it is a great rebuke and it is criticism for our sin, but thank God it's also affirming us and assuring us of His love for us. Uh, and my beloved friends, listen to me. To refuse to accept the genuine correction is to refuse to comprehend the depth of God's love for you and me. I showed you in the last message that failing to comprehend the depth and the width and the height of the love of God is going to stop us from growing and loving Him back. A loving correction is like what Jesus does. He often permits brokenness to come into our lives, as He did in my life in 1990. I'll never forget it. In order to rebuild us stronger, He permits wounding in order that He may heal us and strengthens us like a, a loving surgeon who would cut us, but only to remove the cancerous tumor. Hear me right, please. 
Non-loving criticism destroys people. Let me repeat this. Non-loving criticism destroys people. That is why it must never, never, never happen in the family of God. And so, it's willingness to receive godly correction is the secret for your growing in love for Jesus. Secondly, it's your willingness to change and grow is a vital ingredient in your deepening of your love for Jesus. The Lord Jesus often talked about seeds and sowing and planting and growing and harvest. But if the seed is not growing, most likely it's because it was sterile or dead seed. Growing is about change. Now, I'm not one of those people who say, change, all change is good. I'm not one of those people. Some change is good, some change is terrible. I'm talking about growing and changing as you grow deeper in your love for Jesus. I know, I know, I know there are some people who just detest change, right? I know that. I know there are some, many people actually afraid of change. And many people want to cling to the past, any past. Thank God he did not make me that way. <laughs> I really do. I, I praise him every day for that. But Christian believers, more than any people on the face of the earth, we are to champion good and godly change. Especially the change that comes from our growing deeper in our love for Jesus. I think most of us know when we see a midget, we immediately realize that something went wrong in that physical growth. Problem is, there's so many spiritual midgets in the church of Jesus Christ, but because they're invisible, we can't see them, and we can't see it. Their condition is invisible. These folks whose life of faith has been stunted, these folks a life of faith stopped growing, these folks a life of faith is stuck in kindergarten when everybody else has gone to high school. So the question is, why have so many believers lose their first love? As we saw and the whole reason for this series of messages came out of the letter of Jesus to the church in Ephesus several weeks ago when the church was growing and doing great things, but he said, I have one thing against you. You have lost. You have forsaken your first love. And that's what gave rise to this series of messages. Why? Why do we lose our love for Jesus? We hit one of these walls, and it stymies our growth. I read about the time before the discovery of America. Spain had a coin, and in that coin, Spanish coin, there was an imprint uh, below the um, pillars of Heracles on that coin, and it read, Ne plus ultra, nothing beyond or nothing else beyond. But after Christopher Columbus discovered America, they've changed. They got rid of those coins, and the new coin read plus ultra, more beyond. 
And so it is in the growing of our love for Jesus. Listen to me, please. I plead with you. Listen to me. It is the same with our daily growing love for Jesus. Whatever height you attain, there's more. Whatever level you have reached, there's more. Whatever depth you have experienced, there's more. Whatever length you have gone to, there is more. There's more. Say it with me. There's more. And the day you stop growing and changing is the day of immense spiritual danger. The Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians that by God's grace and God used him to plant the seed in that church, and then God, by the same grace, raised up people to fertilize that seed, but God himself is the one who gave the growth. And so the inability to accept correction will hamper your growing love for Jesus. Your willingness, unwillingness to change and grow will stomp your growing love for Jesus. Finally, thirdly, confusing the journey for the destination is always, always, not sometimes, always will stomp your growth in love for Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. The truth is, we're all susceptible to this temptation, including your pastor. When I speak to you, I'm not speaking out of the top of my hat. I'm telling you what message has gone through me first before it comes to you. We're all susceptible to this temptation of digging our heels. We're all susceptible to the temptation of wanting to swim in the world's water and of wanting to eat the world's food and wanting to drink the world's wine. And that, my beloved friends, listen to me, is the biggest, the biggest barrier for growing in your love for Jesus. Can I be blunt with you for a minute? Yeah, somebody says, well, what's new, right? <laughs> you either find yourself, are you listening? Say amen. amen. This is for everybody, whether you are six years old or 60. It's for everybody. You either see yourself as a citizen of this world with passing interest in heaven, or you see yourself as a traveler passing through this strange land. And let me tell you, it's getting stranger by the day. <laughs> it's getting stranger by the day. You know, there's an old song, this world is not my home anymore. Some of you know that old song we used to sing. And I'm telling you, I'm singing that song every day now. I mean, it's, it's, it's becoming stranger every day, and we are on our way to our destination. <laughs> Think about it this way. Ask yourself the question, am I a traveler or am I a settler? Am I a renter or am I a landlord? <laughs> That does not mean that I'm recommending that you put on white robes, head for the mountains, and wait for your spaceship. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Jesus clearly prays to the Father that high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. And he said, Father, I don't ask you to take them from the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Loving Jesus deeply 
growing in your love for Jesus daily, experiencing greater depths in your love for Jesus. All that means that you love what Jesus loves. The Word of God, it tells us very clearly, Jesus loves redeeming sinners. Jesus loves reconciling repentant sinners with His Father. Jesus loves seeing the lost be found. Jesus loves to lift up repentant people from the mud of sin and the world. That's what Jesus loves. Let me repeat this. To love Jesus is to love what Jesus loves. Let me tell you something, what I've seen through the years, and as you know, I've, I've traveled the globe so many times, and I've seen it everywhere, not just in America, it's, it's, it's everywhere. So many Christians fall in the trap of wanting Jesus to love what they love. Hello. <laughs> they really do. They want Jesus to love what they love. Please, please, don't fall for that trick of Satan. The Apostle Paul told the Romans, do not conform, but rather be ye transformed. Do not what? But rather? What does that mean? Don't conform, but transform. Instead of conforming to the world's standards, you be a transforming agent. Instead of adopting the culture of thinking, you transform the culture of thinking. This whole thing about conforming and transforming hit me so hard several years ago. And I met with a man whom I've known for quite some time to be strong in his walk with Christ. At least I assumed that. I knew he had some influence. Uh, I thought it was godly influence. And when I met with him, he began to let me know that his biblical views are changing. I must admit to you, my heart sank inside of me. I had this kind of sick feeling of what's coming. Then he said, I'd no longer view practice of homosexuality as a sin. He said, I no longer view the Bible to be without error. And then he went on and on and on. I must admit, When I was alone, I left his presence, I sat there and wept. Please listen to me. Conformity to the world's views has been working inside of this man for years. It's been a slow process working on the inside of him. First of all, it began to cool his love for Jesus and then began to cool off his love for the Word of God. Until any semblance of faith in him become frozen, what happened? He began to conform to the world's standards. He began to conform to the world's standards. He became wanting to be liked by the world. He began to confuse the journey for the destination. Please, please believe me when I tell you because I want nothing but God's best for you. 
whether I know you here or you're watching around the world live, conformity to the world's standards is relentless in its pressure. It is very slow in its molding and shaping our thinking, but molding and shaping it does, and it will. Question, how can anyone claim to love Jesus when they confuse the journey for the destination? Ask yourself that question. Please ask yourself that question. Another question you need to ask yourself is this. If I die today and I'm looking to Jesus in his eyes and I'm looking to him face to face, will I say to him, can I say to him, Lord, I have loved what you loved? I pray that you'll answer that question to yourself before the day's out. I'm going to conclude by telling you a true story. It's a true story, but I pray to God that anyone at the sound of my voice would not be in the place of this character in the true story of regret. Thomas Carlyle was a well-known Scottish writer and a poet. He was a bachelor for many years, but finally, he married his secretary, Jane Welsh. Now, Jane was a daughter of a very prominent doctor in that town. Not long after their marriage, they discovered that Jane had a terminal cancer. Kalal was very famous of his day, well known, and he traveled the world uh, speaking to adoring crowds. And, and when he was home, he was focusing mostly on his writings. He could go for weeks at a time without seeing his wife. The months have passed, and eventually Jan died. She was buried in a country cemetery, actually not far from their home. After the funeral, several of the friends came and gathered in Kalal's house, and but he himself excused himself from his friends and went upstairs. And he went into Jane's bedroom and sat on a chair by her bed. And there he saw a book on the nightstand. And he didn't know what it was. He picked it up. It was her diary. So he began to read. He read, he came by today, and it was like heaven to me. Oh, I love him so. And then he continued reading until he came to the last page, where obviously she was too weak to, to write. But her last words were as followed. The day has grown long. The shadows are up. The, up the hall. I have not heard his footsteps. I know he will not be coming today. Oh, I wish I could tell him one more time how I love him. 
Kalal friends were startled by him coming down the stairs and he dashed through the house and went out the house and one of them said, the cemetery, the cemetery. He must be going to the cemetery. And they ran after him to the grave where Jan had just been buried a few hours earlier. And sure enough, there was Thomas Carlyle himself lying on that fresh, wet dirt of his wife's grave, pounding his fist on the ground. Ah, if I had only known. If I had only known. Now, my beloved friend, please listen to me. I'm about to finish. Why do you wait until you hit a wall in your life before you recognize that your love for Jesus has grown cold? Are you ministering, you're serving, and you're doing all kinds of Christian things? Why do you have to wait until you hit a wall in your life before you recognize that your love for Jesus has gone by the wayside? Oh, listen. As I said, you might be doing good things, serving in committees and ministering and doing all kinds of stuff or boards and all kinds of good stuff. But deep down, deep down, your love for Jesus has grown cold. I know that feeling. I pray none of us would stay in that. I pray that everyone today will say, Lord, I will not refuse correction. Lord, I'll not refuse growing and changing deeper into my love for you, Lord. I will not focus on the journey and confuse it with the destination. Help me. Lord, I will not allow any of this to freeze my growing in love for you deeper every day. And all of God's people said amen. amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, we know, at least most of us experientially, how even ministering and doing good can distract us from genuinely growing deeper in our love for you. Lord, we confess that. And we know that only you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, who dwells in us, whom you have given him to us to convict us, to rebuke us, to encourage us, and to comfort us. May he do all of this in every bended head and every watching eyes around the world. Father, I pray, increase our love for you even as we see the day draws near. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.